Hey everybody, welcome back to The Collective. We have another fantastic show for you planned out today and I am very excited. We have Brady coming back, we got Travis coming back and a brand new face, Kelly. Good to see you, thanks for being on, this is awesome. Um, before we go anywhere, I do wanna remind everybody, make sure you like the show, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, do all that good stuff so you get your email in the morning whenever we go live, which is of course, every day. So um, today, topic we're going to be going into finding balance here in a second but before we do just want to remind everybody that none of us are doctors anything we do say is coming from our own personal experience mm -hmm. and to take it with a bit of a grain of salt do your own research if there's something that interests you look it up do some reading get into it uh, if you do have any questions or comments by all means put them up in the comment section we'll be able to read them just like this one right here Daniel good afternoon good to see you and uh, we'll engage them into the conversation as we go any thoughts or initial thoughts before we get into the topic from the panel? I just appreciate the disclaimer. Uh, we're not doctors, but we have a bunch of idiots on. Uh, that's well, not a bunch of idiots. No, no, not, not idiots. Opinionated idiots. Opinionated. I always no medical knowledge. So if you have help, call them. But also, we're here to help you give what little little uh, what life experience that we can give to help others out without paying too much money for it. There you go. And right now, the only thing, uh, just as a reminder, everybody, the mugs are now live on the website. So if you want yourself a do your best mug, by all means, hit up the website at the-collective.ca, get yourself a mug and you can do your best and you can pick up your pace and you can do all those great things every morning with your cup of joe or tea. I'm kind of bummed I don't have mine. It's uh, coming. I mean, it's coming. as a standby, it's not terrible. Uh, that's a tough <laughs> one. It's that's not a... terrible. I mean... Does anyone need to see that a little closer? It's yeah. not terrible. I'm yeah, just saying. Yeah, the, the official JTF2 mug, mug kind of... <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. But I'll, I'm I'll bummed that my do-your-best uh, handle broke, so I feel like an underperformer, with, uh, with, especially with Travis bringing in the uh, supporting fire with his mug right. as well. Right. Carefully uh, oriented to the camera, by exactly. the way. Yeah. I a mean, little product dude, placement. Figure that guy hurt. does not miss a beat. <laughs> <laughs> well... Uh, with all that said, let's get into the conversation. So <clears throat> today's topic, finding balance. And so previously on the show, we've talked about balance. We've talked about, you know, creating balance in your life. We've talked about all these things. But the thing that I want to talk about is actually finding the balance. And what triggered this in my head was I was working with my boys on, um, on my youngest getting off of his training wheels on his bike. And what I do is I will stand... Uh, holding the front wheel in between my legs with enough space for it to kind of go back and forth. And I'll look at him and be like, close your eyes, find your balance. And then he will kind of teeter, but he'll eventually kind of find it where the wheel won't be touching my legs and he'll just be sitting kind of balanced in a little perch. And I'm like, okay, good. Now you found that. We're going to seek that through the ride and we're going to carry it on. So, um, and... <laughs> This is kind of funny, but uh, Kelly, when we were doing the audio check and I had mentioned finding balance, you took it on a, a bit of a different realm in terms of where <laughs> finding balance comes from. So let's go around the table and let's get some initial thoughts on what you feel finding balance is or how to find balance or what your initial thoughts on it. Brady, I'm going to start with you. What are your thoughts on finding balance initially? I was actually thinking to myself, it's like uh, my 
my idea of finding balance in the and and I'm still I'm still uh, constantly looking um, to find balance, right? Because of work life, family life balance, um, and balance within um, my own um, environment here mentally. Um, the first and foremost is staying present in the moment. And that's how you, I think that the biggest, the biggest, uh, tool trick or technique, however you want to describe it is, is maintaining presence, uh, in everything that you do. Um, I find that too often I'm thinking about too much about the future or too much about the past. And it robs me of my present moment. And therefore it, it, um, I think affects the people around me. And so staying present, I think, is the biggest uh, trick, technique, or tool um, to finding balance, whether it's your work life, your mental environment, uh, or any other situation. I like that a lot. Uh, Travis, what are your initial thoughts on finding balance? Yeah, I was taking some notes during the green room there, and so I don't miss things. But, um, you know, I was on the same track of looking at finding balance in life. And we live in a culture, or at least I see it surrounded in social media where it's strive hard, push harder. When other people are given up, that's when you push even harder. That's how you exceed. You can be a savage, whatever it might be. And it reminded me of a buddy of mine came back from the UK, just finished up SAS selection. He says, travel, let's go for a hike. I hadn't been hiking. I went out and picked up a pair of Danner boots, which are not suited to hiking and uh, went on the hike with him and another fellow going up the mountain. I'm like, man, I can't complain. I can't, you know, I'm in pain. It's about a 20 some odd K hike, steep incline going up. And, and I'm, I'm not going to be the guy who, who uh, complains on this one, but he looked back and he noticed that this other fellow, Dennis was having some difficulties. He's like, Dennis, what's going on? And I guess he was like me and he didn't want to complain as well. Dennis says, well, you know, I'm starting to get blisters. He says, well, stop, administrate yourself. Take care of that. Do you want a tea? It's cold out. Get a jacket on, right? And it was sort of an interesting perspective. He says, look, at, we're in it for the haul, not for the short sprint here. In order to do that, you have to take care of yourself and find that balance. I ended up having bloody heels, couldn't walk in without flip-flops for a couple of weeks after anyways, and didn't say nothing throughout it. But had I had proper kit, had I administrated myself properly throughout, I'd be up in the mountain again the next day and the next day. And I think finding that balance between how hard we want to push in order to achieve and where, how we rest, how we take care of ourselves. And I got a bunch of tips and ideas on what I do, but that's just my initial thoughts. I like it. I like it a lot. Kelly, how about yourself? Yeah. So what I do is violence prevention for women. So when you first brought that topic up, finding balance, immediately my head went to the balance between paranoia and curiosity when it comes to violence prevention and situational awareness, because that's the biggest concern that women bring up is when they're starting to look for the things that are off, the anomalies in their baselines, the, the threatening behaviors, they're paranoid because they're starting to look at everybody as a threat. They're trying to evaluate everyone as a threat. They're coming from a negative perspective of, well, I don't want the worst case scenario to happen because that's what they see repeatedly portrayed in movies, portrayed on TV, portrayed in the headlines. So they're constantly thinking worst case scenario, which causes them paranoia, which causes stress, which causes tunnel vision, which causes their senses to shut down. 
And similar to what you said, Brady, is being present is so important. And that's why I'm always stressing finding that balance between paranoia and curiosity so that with curiosity, you can stay more open, stay more balanced, stay more alert and present. And that's where my finding the balance is a thing that I think about work-related. Interesting. Sean, what do you think? What are your initial thoughts? Well, first things first, my initial thought in respect to Trav, which isn't on the subject at hand, which is finding balance, but I feel like I have to say this. The moment that you uh, were walking up there and the uh, SAS individual said, okay, well, you know, let's just stop here. Maybe brew up a tea. Let's look after those things. About 30 seconds later, you're all going to get ambushed by his buddies who are waiting for that moment. I'm just saying, that's just food for thought for yeah. anyone out there. Uh, so continuing on with the subject, um, finding balance. To your point, Kelly, the, um, yesterday we talked about how to interpret the world around us and uh, the mind-body connection, as it were. So this kind of plays into what you were just saying, uh, finding balance in respect to being aware of your surroundings, etc. And so uh, just to build on that a touch, our brains get input from our bodies. Our bodies are the sensory organism that feeds bandwidth into our brains. Our brain interprets those signals. We see something, we hear something, we smell, whatever. Our senses gather data. Our brains collate it. And then the most important part is they patternize it. Your brain is responsible to patternize the world. Uh, if you have never been in a podcast before, this is an extremely foreign environment. But if you've been in thousands of podcasts before, this is a really familiar environment because you patternized this environment. First time is freaky, thousandth time is no big deal. And so our brains patternize the world. And in that patternizing, we're responsible to find balance. So to your point, Kelly, the uh, idea of uh, if, if, ladies or women or females or any gender for that matter is uh, concerned about the world around them, chances are they haven't spent enough time patternizing the world around them. Uh, maybe we can talk about uh, finding patterns within balance, as it were, as we proceed forward in the conversation. I like it. Kelly, what are your initial thoughts on that? I agree that's part of me and why I try to bring the conversation forward in the way that I do is because I'm trying to normalize thinking this way. I'm trying to normalize carrying tools. I'm trying to normalize having conversations that aren't scary and aren't clickbait. It's if, if I can start making it normal to carry some sort of tool, whatever that may be, if I can normalize having a conversation about, Hey, we're with my kids, I'm going to the grocery store. Okay. Well, what hap What do I do if, you know, building those mental strategies, if you're not in that world, if you haven't created those patterns, if you haven't created those neural pathways, then, and you're just sticking your head in the sand, hoping nothing ever happens, then it's that, well, the reality is then when you are experiencing a threat or violence, you're not going to recognize it till too late. And then you're going to get potentially more than likely stuck in a freeze and not do anything, which puts you at danger or risk. So breaking that, having the conversation, immersing yourself in those thoughts when the, the threat isn't present, still going to adrenalize a little bit. Your palms might sweat. Your heart might, you know, rate might increase. That's fine. You're in a safe environment. You're in a classroom setting. You're in your home setting, doing mental strategies in your head. But then 
that's also, oh, now I recognize how I adrenalize. Now I recognize how, what that feels like in my body so that I can take action and recognizing those, those early warning signals faster, quicker, being able to take action is going to benefit you in the long run. But mm -hmm. so often women typically, <laughs> you're going to get all kinds of comments now down in the, in the comment <laughs> section, but typically most women's self-defense classes are one-offs and mm. they're recruiting tools for that gym or that space or whatever, typically. So you can't go into the psychology of all that invo is involved with violence and um, criminal mindset and predatory mindset and talking about the realities of violence in that hour. And it's sexy to hit things and kick things and scream. And then you're not considering and taking into account that 75 to 85% of attacks on women come from someone we know. So I'm not going to yell, no, get back. If Bob is standing too close to me at the copier at work and stiff arm him across the room, I'm going to have to come up with another verbal command, or I'm going to have to come up with another action command. And you, you simply don't have time to go into those scenarios, building those mental strategies in a one hour, let's do sexy things like hitting and kicking and screaming. Yeah. So. No matter how awesome it would look to stiff arm Bob at the pot. And you probably bam. want to, you probably <laughs> want to, because Bob's probably doing it intentionally to make you uncomfortable and test your physical boundaries. But you know, that's assault then. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Brady, you're uh, nodding your head pretty hard. What do you got? Oh, you're muted here. Hold on a sec. You got to <laughs> That was excellent commentary, Brady. Um, well, no, I mean, uh, Kelly hits the, hits it right on the nose, uh, Bob specifically on the nose. Um, but that being said, no, it's, um, you know, in our community, the, the sexy thing is violence, shooting, um, all sorts of stuff, but no one actually gets into the mental aspect. Um, and that's what Kelly does in her podcast as well, um, is getting into the mental aspects of really um, how does our brain function and, and how do we interpret the environment around us based off our senses. As we get more in depth into the human mind, uh, whether it's the physiology or psychology, um, we begin to understand more how how we interpret the environment around us, developing those baselines, developing that pattern behavior of, of, of humans, right? We all have the same brain, but we all have a different mind, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so that's so boring in our community. That's, uh, you know, uh, someone told me a long time ago that what I teach with the stoicism and, and things like that philosophy when it comes to um, the tactical uh, mindset, it's like the vegetables on the plate with a big, sexy steak. That steak is juicy, awesome, but people like myself and Kelly are the vegetables. No one wants to eat the vegetables. They just know it's really good for you. Um, but, you know, they, they do it um, knowing they have to participate in that. But... Those vegetables are going to keep you alive. That's really what, you know, understanding the mind and the psychology and the brain and how you think versus how you react, I think, is more important than picking up a, a rifle or learning the cool, sexy, tactical, super underwater and scuba sniper Jedi skills, if that makes sense. And there's not enough of it going on. There's not enough of it being taught. And so, yeah, you do have that, that one hour of, you know, people teaching women, okay, here's how you 
you know, you strike, you know, and here's how you do this, here's how you do that. But um, you don't really have the actual people teaching the actual knowledge and information, I think is more valuable and more of an asset to anyone's um, survivability. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough when you have, uh, when you have super fun things to do. One of the things that clicked in my head is um, as an engineer, we did a lot of explosive work, right? C4 is fun. It's awesome. <laughs> you know, boom, it's wicked. But the one skill I used more than anything else in my time in the military was prodding. <laughs> and it's super boring, you know, just poking the ground with a stick. That's, that's it. And you go at like an inch increments. They, it's a long drawn out process, but I used it more often. And it spent I saved more lives than I did ever use in carrying around C4. So Travis, um, I wanted to ask you on this one too, what are, you're looking at it from a slightly different perspective too, from like hunting and from being out in the bush and field craft. What are your thoughts on what we've been going over so far? So, you know, balance, I say in what, so we're defining kind of what we're looking for balance for the general term of in life. And that can be broken into work life relationships. If we're going out recreating, whatever it might be. But I think the other thing we have to look at, like when Brady started talking at the beginning, he's had a pretty hectic last few days traveling the world, doing his work. Doesn't sound like there's much balance in the micro. And I think people should be perceptive to what their macro looks like balance over what a day. Maybe you had a pretty packed day over a week, over a month, over a year. And we talked about patterns and being present. So if I'm out in the wilderness, if I'm out in the wild city, or if I'm out in the wild forest, I'm going to try to establish a baseline and I'm going to spend time in that environment to see what, what the threats are around me, how the prey moves, how the predators move. And, and get a sense for where I fit in and all of this so I can move accordingly. And the other thing I try to do when we talk about, and that would lead in the being present area, but if I'm looking for patterns, I'm going to start embracing the natural rhythms. And that can be looked at in two different ways. I can embrace the natural rhythms of the animals or the people. If you're in the city, you can see when the nightlife comes out, when there's an increased sense of danger, if you're in the forest, you can say a crepuscular creature will be predominantly moving around these times of the day. But for yourself, you can say, if I'm to look at balance in my life by looking at patterns, what's my sweet sleep wake cycle look like? Uh, how's my energy levels throughout the day? When I'm, what, when do I usually have the most productivity and how do I use that to my advantage? Uh, mood fluctuations, eating habits, all these sort of things will play into patterns throughout my life that I can look at to try and build balance. And I might not have perfect balance in that day, but I might have better balance in that week. And over the month, I might have fantastic balance. So I think it's important that people look at the micro, you know, mind the pennies, the pounds will take care of themselves, sort of a saying, look at those little pieces but don't beat yourself up if you're slipping up, if you're working the long hours, you're pushing towards a goal, but make sure that your macro starts balancing out on you. I like that. Sean, you got any thoughts? I do. So taking it back to balance again, um, you started off chance by talking about your son and uh, trapping the front wheel and uh, having him figure out his balance. And so the one, one way to understand what your homeostasis is, your homeostatic position is, 
is um, remove all of your senses and see where your balance is. Close, close your eyes, put a set of headphones on. Uh, the only thing that you're touching is the saddle and the pedals and the handlebar and then uh, see how your balance is. Once you start stripping out your senses, that's when you start finding better balance. Same on the BJJ mats. I roll with my eyes uh, closed on a pretty regular basis and it's just stripping out one sense to understand the other senses, but more correctly to understand your balance. By stripping out senses, you mm, create more granularity in your understanding of where your balance is. And now I'm not talking about balance on the mat, standing on one leg and not falling over. I'm talking about balance in your life, much like your son on the bike. The more senses that you stripped away from him, the more his balance will feel topply. He'll feel like he's going to fall over right away. But now you let him open up his eyes and that fall isn't going to feel like it's he's falling from a thousand feet. He's going to realize he's just got to put his foot down. And so our, how we interpret our world around us is based on our sensory input. As I said earlier, our brains interpret the world around us. The more of the world that we can involve ourselves in, the better our senses can patternize. And the less that fall feels like a big fall, then it feels just like a tiny fall. So finding the right balance is important to have a optimal, efficient life, but more correctly, being off balance and understanding what that feels like allows you to live a, a much um, a much easier life, a much uh, easier to shape life. Uh, it allows you to not freak out when you're a little off balance. That's a great point. Um, I'm actually, Kelly, I'm going to come to you in a second because I really like the painting you have in the background. It goes very much to what Sean is saying, is that, uh, you know, a... Uh, <clears throat> Calm seas never made a great sailor, and it's the same thing. What Sean's saying is that you you have to know what it is to be off balance. So that's where I was going to take the uh, conversation uh, directly. Was how do we figure out that we're not in balance to begin with? Because that's a big one. Is that mm. if you don't know, then you you think you're fine. So Kelly, I'm going to come to you. Brady, I'll come to you next. And uh, go ahead, Kelly. What do you think? Thanks. That's, I love that poster. It's my motivational thing every day, mm -hmm. but, um, I do like to think about it is key to understanding if you've been in a chaotic situation, a high, like a lot of cortisol for a long time, you may not know your balance. You may not know what a rest feels like going back to, um, what, what Trav said too, is you mentioned the balance and being present is so important over the macro. And that's another thing is if you get caught up in the paranoia for a long time and going back to my original thought of finding balance is you're not going to be present. You're not going to be aware and you're going to be worn out if you're, and it could be any reason. Maybe you had a good day at work or a bad day at work can cause you to not be present, can cause you to worry. Kind of going back to what Brady said, I get caught up thinking about the future or get caught up thinking about the past, but I'm not present. And finding that balance improves your relationships overall. You know, it's another thing I talk to women or try and ease their, their concerns is we all know that being present leads to better relationships, better communication leads to better relationships at work and at home. So finding that balance is so key. And 
I've heard this given as advice to people who are experiencing maybe a panic attack or they're, they're feeling their anxiety rise is, okay, name five things you can see, five things you can hear, five things you can smell, because it's trying to bring you back to the present. And I say, you know, what is that? Well, that's situational awareness. So situational awareness is actually about staying calm, about being present, about being balanced. And that's why I believe situational awareness is a life skill that people use in other ways and haven't, especially women, haven't thought of from the perspective of personal safety. And so really I look at my job as trying to find things that women can easily relate to and realize, oh, I don't need to learn some extra special skill. I just need to look at skills I use already from that perspective of personal safety to improve my life overall. Like these are, you know, good communication keeps people, you know, threatening behaviors at bay, but also helps me have a good relationship, also helps me be successful at work. So we don't need to complicate things. They are foundational skills. And when you can let go of some of that concern or worry about, am I going to know what to do in the right situation and instead have trust in yourself? You know, one of your previous shows, you talked about empowerment power is to me, I'm not trying to empower, give you power. I'm trying to show you already have the power within you to make those choices, to balance yourself. And you have to figure out to your point that you brought up, um, chance it with your son is he has to find his balance point on the bike. You can't tell him where his balance point is. He has to like that. Brady, what do you think? Uh, hard, hard to top. That was wonderful. Um, <laughs> right there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mic drop. Uh, great, great, great. Um, I think, you know, when it comes to balance, I think it's, it's such a general term that I think we need to specify. We need to go down the rabbit hole more and, and ask ourselves what balance we're trying to find. Are we trying to find internal balance, homeostasis? Are we trying to find uh, work-life balance? Are we trying to find uh, relationship balance? Um, and Kelly talks uh, quite a bit about um, uh, situational awareness is good. Um, external situational awareness, but also, I think, internal situational awareness. What's going on in my own brain? And we need to start that the first thing in the morning. Oftentimes, we put ourselves off balance. The first thing in the morning, we wake up. Half the time, people are scrolling through the phone. And they're seeing politics they don't like, they, they're <laughs> posts they don't like, they're seeing things that just don't like. And you're, you're putting yourself off balance um, right off the bat. We always talk about uh, how we try to train for survival situations, right? These are situations that have a 0.01% chance of happening, whether they're active shooter situations, uh, preparedness, disaster, wilderness revival situations, or self-defense situations. Um, and those are all extreme environments that we train for, but rarely do people uh, train for the one environment that will kill you. This one, that environment will kill you first before anything else does. And the first thing you do in the morning is you put that environment off balance by looking at things that are going to piss you off immediately, that, that sets you off in a bad direction. Um, and if you're not staying present about how that makes you feel. Like oftentimes people get so angry and I have to, I, I mean, human being, I get angry too. I get frustrated, I get sad, I get emotional. Um, that's part of the human condition. So one thing, maintain that balance and maintain that presence is asking yourself, why do I feel the way I do right now? Is this really helping me? And how is this affecting the rest of my day and my, my, my internal environment? And how is this affecting people around me? So the first thing you do in the morning is you you have to take control of your own balance, whether it's doing something that you 
have to take control because the rest of the day is out of our control. Our work is out of control. Traffic's out of control. Uh, human behavior is out of our control. But you can control two things, your actions and your emotions. And that's it. And so if you take control of those first thing in the morning by doing something that you like to do, um, whether it's going running, I don't know, no one likes fucking running. Part of my language right. Uh, but no one, no one likes running. Um, but but we do something that is healthy that that gives us that dopamine, that serotonin, that oxytocin, that epinephrine release that we need. Um, we're taking control of our our the balance in our own mind. The taking control of that balance in that environment. Every environment needs a good balance, whether it's the wilderness environment. Um, social environment, your financial environment, your relationship environment, your marital environment, whatever environment you find yourself in, you have to find balance in it. How do you do that? Well, it starts with this environment right here. More than anything else is maintaining that balance in this environment. Yeah, 100%. Sean, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm glad you brought that up, uh, buddy, because uh, as as Kelly was talking, I was thinking about how, and, and I know that you understand this, Kelly, obviously, but there'll be people who are listening to this now who will take the uh, simple term situational awareness and their entire focus is externalized. So they're looking for the problem. They're looking for this. They're looking for that. The guy who may be behind them imaginary or not, they're planning for World War Twelve, whatever. And so all of the external actions, all of the external thoughts, all of the external situational awareness, well, that's all good, but it ain't a 50-50 split. Most of the split is in your head. That's the situational awareness that we all should be uh, paying attention to on the regular, in the now. And so uh, to uh, that uh, point that was just made, looking for your balance internally you got to get to work on it. But I'll tell you what, there's a boatload of people out there that are working on it and ain't getting any further ahead. In fact, they're probably backsliding to some degree. So how do you get internal balance in your own little head that you don't know how to balance? Well, you got to start looking around. You got to start figuring out people who've got this sort of stuff figured out, how they have a balanced life. How did they get a balanced life? Go talk to them. Uh, look for examples out on the interwebs of people who have balanced lives interact with them either through following them or, or or sending them comments or dms or asking them a question shooting them an email if there's someone out there that's providing a coaching service and they look squared away and balanced well interact with them to some degree get a feel on on them and if they feel like they're a balanced person and they can help you understand how to balance your own life then engage in that process balancing your life doesn't fall out of the tree and hit you on the head it's a daily work it's a, it's a task. It's a skill that you've got to develop, much like making your bed. Your bed doesn't make itself when you get out of bed, nor does finding balance. It doesn't just show up magically at the front doorstep from Amazon. It is a skill that you have to actively work on every single day. And, and to work on what? Well, if you don't have good context as to how to create balance, now you've got to go find context out there uh, uh, amongst your peers or acquaintances or your whoever that surrounds you. 100%. Trav, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, a few. Uh, interesting talking about the perception here and what we can actually control. Uh, a few days ago, I posted a picture on Instagram. I was on a lake fishing. You can see where a forest fire burnt up to a point and the other half of the lake was nice and green and lush. And 
the perception of that. Is the fire good or bad? Well, I don't know. It all depends on how you look at it. If you look at the fire as something that's destroying all the bugs, that's getting rid of the, uh, that's killing the forest, which is what made it dry to begin with, maybe it's a good thing. If you keep in mind that a lot of these trees will not drop their seeds and let's say have a fire hot enough to allow them to open up and drop the seeds, maybe the fire is a good thing. If you have a property right on the middle of that line there, well, I bet you half that half that house that's on there is not going to be too happy that it got burnt up. Is it good or bad? I don't know. It's your perception of what it is that's around you. And that's, I know we've talked about it on the past, uh, Victor Frankl, concentration camps, father of modern logotherapy. One thing you can't take from me is the way I choose to respond to what you do to me. The last of life's great freedoms is one's ability to choose your own attitude in any given circumstance. He had, and there's right there. Brady's got yeah. the book right there. It's right there. E- everything taken from him. And yet some people are thriving and they're in the exact same boat as him, right? And some people are beside themselves and just can't even operate because of all the uh, grief and despair that they're encountering. And the only difference is, is how they respond to what's being done to them. And that's the thing that we have the ability to choose how we wish to respond. Even though so often we feel somebody does something to us or something happens to us and this is how I should respond because this is how I've always responded or this is how I've seen other people respond. The second we can start breaking that cycle of the external stimuli controlling what it is that we do, we can start taking a look at how we can create that balance in our life. And you asked earlier, how do we know if our life is out of balance because it's so out of balance we have no baseline? Let's take a few notes, uh, burnout, lack of motivation, uh, having health issues over and over again, strained relationships, decreased effectiveness. Like I'm usually pretty good at this, but right now I just can't seem to be able to do it. Or I'm sitting in front of the computer trying to plug away and I've been in front of it for hours and I've only got just a little bit accomplished. These are all indicators that perhaps there's a balance issue in your life, loss of enjoyment in what you do. So. To speak to what Brady is saying, 100%, you have to look at what you can control and you have to affect those, affect change in the areas that are going to bring forth that balance that you're looking for. And I, and I took a couple other notes real quick of how I will try and balance my life is I'll prioritize. I'll just make a quick list. What's important for me for this month? What's important for me for this week, for this year, for this day? And I'll make a priority scale. And if things don't fall in a high priority area of what I'm looking to do, I just don't even worry about it. And I make sure I power off these priority things. I'll schedule myself accordingly. But the biggest one I found that I've had the most difficulty with is learning to say no. When people, there's always going to be people out there that say, can you help me with, or it's just a little thing here. And I always want to help saying no and learning that balance of how much can you give to others and how much do you need to spend on yourself, I think is a very important tool. Self-care, eat, sleep, exercise, stay organized, stay connected and be flexible. I love that. <clears throat> That's exactly where I want to take the conversation too. So uh, let's go around. We've talked about, you know, you know, finding, not just finding balance, but, um, you know, figuring out that you're out of balance, but let's give some tools, some thoughts on once you figure out that you're not balanced, then what, like, what are some of the tools that we can use to 
put ourselves back in balance? I mean, Trav, you, you hit nail on the head with prioritization and things like that, but what are some of the other things that we can, actionable things that people could take from this and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to balance myself out and then figure out where to go from there. Brady, I'm going to come to you. What do you think? Um, like I said, I'm still, I'm coming from a very imperfect spot. I'm always trying to find my own balance, trying to find, you know, um, I think, you know, as the, as the picture behind Kelly puts it, smooth seas never made for good sailors. Um, we are constantly forging our own tools in the furnace of adversity. Um, and we take those tools and we can try and pass them on. We can try and use them ourselves. And sometimes these tools break on us. Sometimes they work great, but it's a con constant experimentation on finding balance for ourselves. It's constantly trying to find tools that work for us, coping methods. These are, these are the tools I think that I, I think we're referring to is looking, looking for a way to cope with uh, the present, whether it's the future, whether it's um, the past. And I think the biggest tool that we can utilize is the gift of reason. Marcus Aurelius said, you know, don't fear the, um, don't fear the future because, you know, you have the same tools or reason that you combat today, uh, the problems today that you can combat uh, the problems of the future. Reason is one of those biggest things that we have to recognize when our emotions are overriding our logic, overriding our reason. And emotions aren't a terrible thing, right? I, they're, 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 it's, it's such an amazing thing to have, right? But, but when we allow emotions to intoxicate our, our sensibility, our logic, right? We, we know never to make decisions on the influence of, of drugs and alcohol, but we allow ourselves to make decisions on the influence of emotions and they affect us the same way. And they cloud our judgment, absolutely. And again, coming from a place of imperfection. Um, but the more that we value reason, the tools of reason, the tools of logic, and try and fight, we have a cerebral cortex, we have a limbic system, and it's a constant battle between the two. The cerebral cortex is responsible for higher cognitive thought, and the limbic system, well, it's a, a primitive little brain where, um, going back to Viktor Frankl, between stimulus and response, there's space. And in that space, we had a power to choose our response. And that power choose responsibilities our growth and our freedom. That's also physiology. That's not just Victor Frankl. So when we have um, this external stimulus, we there's two routes that information takes. The short route, which is stimulus response, thamulus to amygdala. Then it's a, the long route, which I call the logic route, between the thamulus, the sensory cortex, the hippocampus, and then the amygdala. And the amygdala is responsible for training and trauma. And so... That logic route gives you a little bit of space, whether it's thousandths of a second, a second, a minute, a day, a, a week, a month, a year. You can choose your response, but make sure it's a rational response, a logical response. So I think the best tool that we could use that is constantly forged uh, in adversity and hardened is, um, I call it the gift of reason. I really like that a lot. Kelly, what do you think? What are some tools that you got for... Uh... <laughs> managing balance? Um, for me, one thing, and I'm curious with the rest of you, when you feel off balance or you're trying to figure out how to get back into a good balance state, do you seek external input, whatever that may be, asking advice, reading books, doing, or do you trust your, do you seek inward? Do you go inward to look for that information? Just quick input, and if anybody's watching live, that'd be cool to comment in the bottom too, just to get. I seek. Curious. I seek out other people. Uh, <laughs> I seek out books. Uh, 
like the Frankel meditations, you know, the Stoics and things like that I, I seek because so many times have I tried to trust my instinct that I've been wrong, but lack of experience, right? Um, at 39 years old, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I should have figured out why now, but I don't think there's any problem with seeking external information, external sources. I think uh, if you're wrapped up in yourself and what you already know, you never have an opportunity to learn something new that may help you and make you better. So I, I think it's important to reach out to good people that are more knowledgeable than yourself and to admit that people there are people more knowledgeable, I'm not, not saying better than you, but more knowledgeable who have more experience in something like that. Um, I think that's important. So I think I try and seek out other friends that I know and go, all right, you've got your shit together a little bit more than I. Pardon me. <laughs> That's two. That's, <laughs> you know, Three strikes, you're out, man. Yeah, you you had you have your stuff together more than I do, to a certain extent. Like you're ahead of the trail a little bit farther. You're up the trail a little bit farther from me. What can I learn between uh, where I'm at and the gap between where you and I are? Yeah. How about you, other three? Trav, what do you think? Uh, I've, I've never externally uh, sought from anybody else, but I will observe other people and see traits that look desirable or admirable and try to see how I can incorporate that into my life. But I realize that balance is going to be something that's different for everybody. And the more information you have, like Brady says, the more books you read, the more you can look at, you can start picking out things that might, maybe, maybe they'll work for you. Give them a shot. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Um, But having those resources, I think is very powerful, but no, I've, I've never, I've never externally gone out and uh, and sought help in that way. Interesting. Sean, what do you think? Well, I do both because there's two worlds that I can draw from my internal world, my external world, and they're both one's bigger than the other, which choose which one's bigger. It doesn't matter. I'm going to use both. And so there's no way I would preclude or ignore 50% of the equation if that's uh if that's what we're talking about, is it 60, 40, 70, 30, whatever. I'm not going to ignore one of the uh, aspects of the two worlds that we exist in. And so uh, for finding balance, I I will say this, where I can make a, not a definitive statement, but at least something for people to chew on. Uh, when I was 20, my balance was different. When I was 40, my balance was different. And now that I'm 60, my balance is different. And so it doesn't much matter what the balance should be or could be or will be. What does matter is that you are actively balancing it as you proceed uh, through the journey called life. Just be aware that you don't have to target lock on 50% internal and 50% external at the age of 20 and never change your equation. Did you say you were 60? Sorry. Yeah. I mean, that was... Yeah. Were... Oh, my God. You are he's a machine, yeah. <laughs> he trying to trying to create the right balance. Yeah. It's funny because he, he has to tell people regularly that he's not a robot. So <laughs> yeah. And to to your point, uh, Kelly, and to Sean's point, I actually do both as well. I utilize them in a almost a cyclical pattern. So I will if I have an issue, I will go internal and then I will reach out external and then I'll go back internal. So I will really think about it and then i'll start asking people around me what they do 
and then I go back to the internal and then I go back to the external. So kind of, well, both. thank you all for humoring me with that question, because what I was finding that was interesting and just from my perspective, typically women seek only external advice. They stop listening to their intuition. They stop mm -hmm. listening to whatever they need because they're putting everybody else's needs first, whether they have family, friends, spouse, partner, whatever, or they're looking for the gurus who, and, and they, they don't take a moment to kind of do the 50, 50, like you were saying, Sean, um, for me, I, I fell into that trap myself. And one thing that I realized after a while, when I felt so out of balance was I need my alone time. And I, I'm an extrovert. I love being around people and I need to recharge my batteries. I need to take time away from everybody and anyone to, to just be with myself. And so for me, when I feel like I'm getting off balance, that's when I know I need to step away from the noise and, and, and be alone. So that was something I had to do going back to that self-reflection. So often I think people don't self-reflect enough. They're looking for problems elsewhere. They're looking for other people, good and bad. You know, what are the threats and who are the people that are giving me this prescriptive advice, telling me exactly what to be watching for, for threats, telling me exactly what I should do you know, if I see A, then I should do B, instead of going internal and evaluating their own um, thoughts, the stories that they've told in their head, their own biases. That's that's a big one that I that I talk about, and it's it's really funny when people project onto others without looking and realizing they're doing the exact same thing they're telling other people not to do, or they're not doing the things they're telling people to do. Um, so for me, it's the, the concrete advice I always tell, ask women because they want me to give them advice. They want me to tell them what to do. And I'm like, well, um, what makes you feel most alive? You know, what, what makes you the most happy? When do you feel most content? And, and I'm not talking about when other people are causing you to be happy. It's what do you do that makes you happy? And so often I see women stop doing the things that make them happy because of fears, because of judgments, because of whatever. And I'm like, screw that. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just at the age, since we're all talking about age, maybe I'm at the age where I don't have a filter anymore. I don't care. I just don't care. Because what's most important to me is staying balanced and finding my balance versus what you think I should be doing to find balance in my own life. I like that. Well, I have a follow-on question for you, just out of curiosity, given that, uh, and I haven't formed the patterns that uh, you have formed, Kelly, and that's probably because you're in the that game of uh, working with ladies who have these kind of conversations and et cetera. So you've got lots of feedback loop that I don't have. So my thought is this, if the uh, common approach is to externalize or to more correctly focus externally rather than focus internally is that uh, does it play out in the sense of now uh, the the ladies that you're working with are constantly seeking externalization and don't spend enough time internal is and if that's the case then how do you get them to start internalizing um yes i think that's that's a lot of times what i find good and bad that's where they get conned i'll just say it easier because mm -hmm. they say, or they think, well, they can't be of a criminal mindset because they don't look. Or um, everyone says, again, I'm just stereotyping here, people. 
he is such a good person because he is an upstanding community member, because he's a good Christian, because he's a whatever, fill in the blank. And then we'll discount how their intuition is telling them there's something that's not right, something's off. And so instead of saying, it doesn't flip and matter what anybody else says about that person, because a lot of times the manipulators are building good witnesses around. They're, they want plausible deniability. So they're gonna be freaking rock stars to everybody else and hone in on you and target you on that behavior so that they're gaslighting you, so that you they make you feel going crazy. And so that's where I have to reiterate to women, I don't care if the person next to you thinks that Bob, sorry, Bob's of the world. If Bob's a great guy, he might not be to you. It's just like, you know, when somebody's like, oh, really? You had a negative experience with so-and-so? Just because they haven't had a negative experience doesn't make your intuition that something was off wrong. Mm -hmm. So trying to get women to go back and say, well, you have to feel, how does that feel for you? How does it feel? Why does that bother you? Maybe there's a trigger from your past where, you know, they didn't have anything. They don't know your past. They don't know that a similar situation led to a traumatic event. And so now those early warning sides immediately make your intuition alarm bells go off. And if you haven't taken the time to self-reflect and be balanced, then you're not going to recognize, you're going to go to straight fear mode, even though poor Bob was just trying to make copies of the copy machine. You didn't need to stiff arm him, Kelly, you know, but last time somebody else did that, you know, there was inappropriate behavior. And so that introspection is like, yes, you can get, you can read studies, you can take classes, you can take trainings, you can read books, you can ask for input and always recognize that nobody else is in your shoes. Nobody else is seeing the world from your perspective. Nobody has the same Orient filter. So take it with a grain of salt, take what you can, leave the rest. I like that. Brady, you were nodding your head pretty, pretty hard. You got any thoughts on that? Besides poor Bob. <laughs> poor Bob. Um, no, I mean, again, uh, Kelly hit, uh, Bob right on the nose on that one. <laughs> so, yeah, hundred percent. Uh, Sean, do you got any follow up on that? No. Okay. I do. Yeah. Give her a try. So, so you asked a couple questions. Uh, Kelly, you asked a question. Chance, you asked a question. Kelly, you asked about balance and do we reach external? Do we look internal? And I guess it comes down to how we define our balance. I'm going to say, uh, internal if you're looking for your own personal balance. I am not looking for external validation in the same way that Chance, mm. your son cannot find his own balance on the bicycle by you telling him all day where that is. He actually has to feel it. Mm -hmm. So he can look around and he can take all these other things in, but if you want to find that true balance, it has to be something that's true to you. And that's something you can take external information and stimuli in, but the only thing I'm gonna rely on is what, what I truly feel. Um, you asked a question, a couple of takeaways for uh, that people can use to work on that have worked for us in finding balance. And if I look at this in two ways, in internal and external, and I incorporate Kelly's question in there, uh, internally, one thing that's helped me in the balance situation is I'm stubborn as hell. Um, and realizing it's never too late to stop, to regroup, assess my situation, and maybe take a path that's more desirable, move in a more desirable direction. And some people might look at it like, perhaps you're running away from something, but if you reframe that perception and say, maybe I'm running towards something more desirable, it's a way to get over that whole stubbornness and say, look at, I'm moving towards something better. So that would be internal. External, 
uh, AI. AI has been really helpful. Type into your AI app on your um, on your phone, and uh, I'm using one called Poe, and incorporates a few different ones. TLDR website gives you the point notes of everything that you need in here. You can throw emails, different things. If you want to try and find that balance, you're overwhelmed by the amount of information that you have coming in that you need to sort through on an external thing. The AI one's been a helpful point. I really like that. That's funny. Uh, that's funny because what I did, I almost brought it up earlier, but uh, it is one of the crazy little traps that you can fall into of trying to find balance by creating more efficiencies to create more balance by creating more efficiencies <laughs> by creating more balance by creating more efficiencies by your never stop working. Mm -hmm. And so oh, I had considered uh, ChatGPT 4.0 uh, mm -hmm. uh, as part of the conversation because when we're seeking information or we're seeking solutions or trying to do life better, if you're actively engaged in trying to do life better, you're going to keep on trying to do life better. But sometimes we just got to pause for a moment and do a pattern interrupt and kind of uh, synchronize with ourselves internally and see how we're feeling internally before going full external with chat GPT 4.0. And Trav, I know that you know that I just wanted to throw that in uh, a little earlier. I'm just going to throw something out here that uh, maybe will help people think about things uh, a little bit. So uh, in 24 hour solo mountain bike racing, doesn't matter what level you are. Uh, if you're racing at a regional level, national level, international level, pro or amateur, doesn't matter. If you've been in the game long enough, then what you'll find is race after race, you start to develop a kind of homeostasis. It doesn't matter how hard the race is. It doesn't matter what the weather is. It doesn't matter about your competition. What does matter is that at some point through a bunch of races, you start getting comfortable in the race. You're, you understand it all. You've been there, done that, and it, you understand the external world. And then you start to un understand your internal world because you get a whole lot of time on a saddle thinking about a whole lot of things. Uh, and it's a really interesting aspect of 24-hour racing. So um, one thing that I have found is when I'm out there, I had to create it for myself and I had to create it for my athletes as a mandatory mental loop. And that is, are you thirsty? Are you working too hard? When's the last time you dot, dot, dot? So there's some external things such as weather's changing. Next time I come into my pit, I've got to remember to grab a rain jacket. I've got to remember to put on arm warmers. I got to remember to dot, 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 all the external actions. But while you're out there, I ask my athletes to do run an internal diagnostic is what I would call it. And that means check in with yourself and see how you are doing rather than how you're doing in the external race. So um, if you can do that in a really hard charging uh, competitive event, you sure as heck can do it walking down the sidewalk. But no one does. No one runs internal diagnostics as they're walking down the sidewalk. People run an internal diagnostic, though they don't call it that, when they're right in the thick of things, when it's gone full sideways, and they are understanding their internal diagnostic like this, whoa, all of a sudden I can't see as much as I used to. But they're not even thinking that, all they know is things just went tunnel, and they're not sure why. But uh, internal diagnostics are mandatory in life, in my opinion, in order to understand how you work externally as well. I think um, it's such a such a such a great way of saying it. It's using the internal diagnostic. Internal diagnostics, um, I think, really just is 
equates to internal situational awareness. And since we're all, you know, in the military or in some sort of like capacity of teaching self-defense or defense of others, you have to really um, run those internal diagnostics and have that internal situation awareness before you react to a situation externally that could lead to an outcome that that could uh, lead to something worse, if that makes sense. I love that internal diagnostics. That's great. Yeah, <clears throat> we are. Uh... We're just about out of time. We're going to do some final thoughts here in a second. And, you know, this reminds me of, you know, I was saying this a little bit earlier when, before we went live in the green room with the fact that when I first got out of the military and I was trying to get myself sorted out and dealing with all the issues and stuff that I'd been going through, the one thing that I thought was that I was good to go. I, I really believed that I was fine. And it was just the world was crazy and I was just trying to figure this out, right? <laughs> it wasn't until I had an external proxy, somebody else who was like, dude, what is going on? And some, it was somebody that I trusted and somebody that I really um, had my best interest in mind that, that forced me to relook at myself. And when I started looking at myself from their perspective, outside of what I thought was good to go, that's when the changes started happening. That's when I was started recognizing I was out of balance. That's when I started. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at yourself and I'm fine, everything is awesome with me, but the world is friggin' crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's time to start looking externally too, right? Mm -hmm. So I do love this and doing those internal diagnostics is great. Getting external diagnostics is great. It's the application of those diagnostics that allow you to achieve balance later on. And I think that's a key point is that we can think about all these things and we can come up with all these topics and come up with all these points of how to gain balance or maybe I should be working on that or maybe I should be working on this or I'm going to talk to that person. But the key part is using those things <laughs> and actually testing them. Do they work? Do they not work? Does this work for me? Does that work for them? Blah, 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 and so on and so forth. So I think that's a big part of it is that it's not just about finding the balance. It's then acting upon the balance and utilizing that balance and moving forward with it. Um, any quick thoughts on that before we jump into some final thoughts from the panel? All good? Okay. Let's uh, run down the line here and we'll get some final thoughts on finding balance. Brady, what do you think? Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's one thing to find balance. Uh, it's another to recognize when you're um, out of balance. And it's even more of a thing that when you recognize you're out of balance, how do you put yourself back in that balance? What are you doing? What tools are you using? How are you going, okay, yeah, I'm, um, I'm not doing okay. I'm completely out of balance. Okay. So what do I do now? And that's where people are going to struggle with the most. Uh, sometimes people, um, you know, it, it leads to uh, substance abuse or, or food abuse or self-abuse, you know. So um, what do you know? You, so you're out of balance. What do you do now? And that's the hardest question, I think, that um, that's the hardest answer to find in that question. Yeah, 100%. Kelly, some final thoughts? Yeah. Um externally, internally, whatever it is, again, you got to figure out what works best for you. My caution is don't get stuck in analysis paralysis. Like you have to take action at some point. It's getting stuck in the OODA loop. I don't know what I would do. I don't know what I would do. I'm like, great. Okay. Next. Like so often I said, well, what would you do if, 
this happened? And they say, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, well, let's start talking through some ideas. Um, because it's better to make a decision and have to re recalibrate than not make a decision and being stuck constantly in your head in those voices. Um, so, or external voices telling you what you should do. So I just, I would say they don't get stuck in analysis paralysis, take action. I love it. Travis. No, I think I've said most of the points that I want to say, uh, we can always expand on them later if people are interested or reach out directly or whatever. Uh, so I don't have too much more to contribute. So maybe I'll give you what someone else might say and, uh, give you a little bit of balance. Um, Robert Browning says what a man's reach should exceed his grasps grasp less what's a heaven for um and that seems to be where a lot of what we're seeing in social media and around us everybody's comparing themselves to other people who are earning more or doing more or having a cooler life whatever it might be their man's reach should exceed their grasp let's what's a heaven for and let's balance that out with um uh, socrates what does he say about uh, happiness secret happiness is not found in seeking more but in developing the capacity to enjoy less. So balance on the two different sides. Or if we want to throw one more in, um, Tyler Durden, what you own owns you, right? Um, I like it. Yeah. Everyone's seeking and striving to have more, 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 more. What you own owns you. That's very true. Sean, some final thoughts? Well, that's kind of messed me around because I've been <laughs> reaching for you, Trav. I mean, like, I'm like, <laughs> what, what do I do now? <laughs> Give me another quote so I can start chasing you again. <laughs> uh, so I will end with this. I, I want everyone to put on their imagination hat. Uh, this should really make my point pretty clear. <clears throat> if, you, if you imagine standing on one leg, uh, you can hold the other leg uh, heel to butt, or you can put your foot to your other knee that you're that you're supporting on your one leg you can adopt any yoga pose you want but you're on one leg the moment that you start tilting your head just a little bit you go off balance and the reason for that is is your head is on the end of a lever and your head is pretty freaking heavy and for some people it's not all brain mostly it's skull but the point <laughs> is that there's a heavy weight on the end of a lever and the moment that you tilt just a little bit you're going to topple over until you learn how to get better balance with your head and your body, your mind and your body. And so uh, if you don't want to keep toppling over, start figuring out how to uh, uh, achieve a balance with your mind, uh, less so than externalizing on everyone else's problems or, or why uh, your fingernails are too long or too short. Start working on your brain as the active balance point in your life. And uh, to that uh, final point, when you tilt your head off to a, one side or the other and you start toppling over, well, now you've got a choice. You either put your foot down and arrest your fall, or you maintain that same balance position, unaware of what balance is, and you fall down on your silly head. Well, there's, here's another quote for you, Trav. Fall down seven times, get up eight. Mm -hmm. In time, you'll figure out balance. Hundred percent. I uh, <clears throat> I'm going to go back to my boys here and work on their bikes because this is a it's, a it's a great little point. Is that the one thing I continually tell them? Small corrections, small corrections. There's lots of things that you can do with giant jerky actions, and you can you know achieve a, a 
a distinct change through massive actions. You can. But in order to find balance and maintain a balance, small corrections. And to your point, Sean, if you tilt your head a little bit and you start tilting, if you throw your head to the other side, you're just going to fall over on the other side. And so you have to maintain those small corrections. Try something. If it works, cool, that'll bring you back to set towards center, and then you can try something else, and then you can eventually find that center point. But if you start throwing yourself left and right, you're going to be all over the place, right? And that's not very balanced. So, you know, as we all learn how to find the balance, we can build upon our balance and grow into the people that we're supposed to be. And you can do that every day with us here on The Collective. We'll see you all tomorrow. Chimo. Chimo.